Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bowlology Report. Damien Fleming here. Plenty of news in cricket. Uh, probably the biggest overnight. Jimmy Anderson, 600 test wickets. Can you believe it? Um, but joining me as always, co-host Peter Hanscom. Pete, thanks Glenn. for joining us again. Um, mate, what's been happening uh, with the Victorian cricket team last couple of weeks? Uh, last few weeks we've, we've managed to get outdoors, which has been huge for us, especially this time of year. Um, groundsmen always in Melbourne seem to tell us that we can't get on turf wickets in, in August, um, but we've just proven every groundsman wrong. So we're out there, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, the fast bowls off a long run, getting ready for the season to come and, and batters uh, just trying to survive um, and, and just get through the session. So now it's been, it's been good, mate, still training Three days, three days a week. On those same days, we do a bit of gym and, and then we just run from home. So it's, it's been good. So really, um, you might be able to, obviously in the nets, but you might get some, some practice matches internally. So you'd hope as best as possible, you know, you're progressing um, on the incline, ready for, for some domestic cricket. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're progressing nicely. Um, and the beauty about being at the Junction Oval and, and having access to that is, you know, now that we've got the turf wickets, hopefully we can get a turf wicket, uh, a turf centre wicket, which would be absolutely huge um, and get a couple of practice into squad games going. Uh, it it's, should be a bit warmer than uh, we normally used to go down to, to Wesley College in Glen Waverley for our practice games. And that was the coldest place on earth for whatever reason you'd drive in from the road and it would drop about eight degrees. Um, poor David Hussey hated it there. So that's where good. my kids go to school. So. Oh, right. So, you know, there you go. So we rug them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Michael Beers, the, the head of cricket, your ex-stars teammate. We'll have to get Beery on one day. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he can <laughs> tell us uh, tell us some funny stories, mate. He's a good yeah. man. Was he naturally grumpy man at the stars? Naturally grumpy. I think that's just his, his demeanour. Um, it was the same when he was at the Saints as well. Um, he, he was obviously there when I first went to St Kilda and uh, Beery would always try and start a fight in the nets for some reason. I'm like, mate, we're teammates. Like, what's, what's going on here? What have I done to you? Uh, but no, that was just, that's just him. He gets in the competition, absolutely loves it. So, no, he's a beauty. He's doing well, but it's interesting. These spinners who were former fast bowlers... <laughs> they retain that fast bowler mentality, don't they? If Beery was ever a fast bowler, mate, I'll run to China. That's, he doesn't have the body to be a fast bowler. He's got upside-down legs. So um, I think spin was the right option for him. So no fast twitch fibres that you could find? No, I mean, you've seen him in the field, mate. We saw, nah. We're trying to hide him at 45 or short third man or something and just hope the ball doesn't go to him. And he, he provided... Um, he was very... Very shrewd in his fielding. It's something I did in my last few years when I couldn't move much at all. Um, they try and hide you at 45, you know, behind the wicket. Um, don't try and just just dive. Yep. Just dive. Um, so if you miss it, you don't have to sprint and go get it. Blah. blah. It's four, um, and then every third one, you just jump on and stop. Yeah, and then you look like a genius as well because yes. you've actually stopped one that, you know, people thought that you weren't going to actually get to. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate, let's get into it because there's been a lot of uh, the cricket, um, but it's time for Pete's um, 
what are we calling it? Some massive news week. News um, round. Yeah, let's do it. It's, it's a couple of weeks worth of news. So Actually, news fortnight. News week with Pete Hanscom. Succinct. Um, I, what I want to start off, mate. We'll go over to England. We'll start off with the tests. Uh, we haven't. We didn't get to report on the second test last week, but to be perfectly fair, we didn't miss much. Yeah. <laughs> um, rain. Stock standard. Stock standard English summer. Um, just rained, so that uh, that game. Uh, unfortunately, ended in a draw, one sort of innings each. A couple of uh, mentions, honourable mentions, Rizwan and, and Crawley, uh, both 50-plus runs, um, quality batting from both of them. But I think the the two, well, the big issue that sort of came out of that one, uh, Flem, you might like to talk about this, is the light and, and how much that played an effect. And, and it always seems like such a contentious issue. Uh, yeah. Bowlers want to stay on, and it's like, no, nah, you can see the ball, and batters are giving it the, uh, no, nah, I don't want to get hit in the head, and and it's really hard to find that middle ground. I don't know how you've you felt on it. There was no better feeling as a as a quicker bowler getting that second new ball in fading light to tail enders. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, that was yeah. just the perfect scenario, and just hope that you get two or three overs before you went off. Yeah, particularly about a couple of early wickets, uh, you could sneak in a five for there. But I was listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, BBC and um, Tuppers and and uh, Vaughan uh, over there over there in England, and there was really no definitive answer. Um, no, you'd probably know better than me, Pete. Um, they did say the the standard of lighting, mm. you know, was so different in each test venue. You know, they, they yep. tend to think that the Australian lights are the best and that some um, some of the counties will have to invest more in lights, but there's still got to be that commitment to play, even when it's yep. artificial light. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess our venues are used to playing a lot more night games, especially with AFL being played on most of them as well. So the lights got to be good. Um, whereas, yeah... You, it's a lot of money for county grounds to 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 fork out, yep. um, but yeah, I think I, I think it's a worthwhile investment. You've got to get into it. We we need to be able to play um, during some dark dark times. Get the lights on there. It's just when it gets dangerous, and I think the dangerous spots, Flem, um, for me, if if you're at gully or point or square leg, and you get a cut shot or a pull shot, you're not seeing it. That's when it gets bloody scary like if you're the batter you've got the sight screen behind and the lights are are fixed basically to you the slips are okay but yeah that square of the wicket fielding position that that uh that can be proper scary when it starts to get dark yeah and i suppose the the other pusher could be is for um more day night test matches yep yeah yeah keep the crowds interested mate keep people coming back and watching test cricket um pretty good third test though once again, right third once again infected um, by rain, but it was a, a statistician's yeah. um, smorgasbord. Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty going on. Um, we'll start off. Obviously, the England England batters, just Crawley, Butler, great work, guys. Like, that's, that's impressive. Crawley, first 100, first test 100, bloody awesome. But to go on and make 267... That's just that's just impressive. Following up from his fifty in the previous game, so can I chuck some stats in, mate? You're the you're the stat wizard. Go for it. Um, so it's the second highest debut hundred by an Englishman. So there was a a young whippersnapper back in 1903. Tip Foster. It, it was his first test. He, he punched out 287. Jeez, not in bad. Your first test. And it was in Australia. No worries. But interesting though, it was the highest score by a batsman that was dismissed stumped. Okay, there you go. 
Yeah, a bit of trivia. Yeah. There was a yeah, West Indian yeah. batsman, Seymour uh, Nurse. What a cool name that was. 1969. Stumped, for, I think, for 258. So, highest score uh, for a batsman dismissed stumped. Lovely, lovely stat there from you, Flem. Um, but I, I was thinking, what about all those 300s? I would have thought that was a more common mode of dismissal. You know, you got to 300 and you're playing your shots more. I, yeah, I was expecting yeah. a 300 to be a stunt. Yeah, I mean, you start, the spinner comes on, you're like, all right, I'm going to try and hit every ball for six now. Like, I've, I've got 300 rounds. I don't really need many more, so let's, let's go for it. Um, but, yeah, that's incredible. I definitely yeah, I agree with you. I think someone surely over 300 should have been stumped, but they're obviously not going hard enough for them. Yeah. Or not missing them. Or just not missing them. That that's probably helps. Um, and just, yeah, and then Pakistan in the dirt there for 154 overs. Um, nearly got to the third new ball, and there's probably <laughs> nothing worse in cricket than the third new ball for a fielding side. Um, that can go get stuffed. You may as well stay with the old ball and, and keep it nice and soft. It's the most overrated thing in cricket, isn't it? The most third overrated. Yeah, <laughs> it's not doing, not doing much for you. It's just going to the boundary faster. Um, but after a couple of quick wickets, Azhar Ali, beautiful, mate. Just, just a glorious knock. Captain's knock, 141 not out, carried his bat to the end. Um, it was really good to see as well because he, poor guy, been struggling a little bit, I think, with, um, yeah, with some runs. And uh, that can be tough especially when you're the captain because yeah. um, you're, you're concentrating on a lot of other things as well. You're trying to win the game. You're worried about your bowlers, your own batters. And then on top of that, to, to have your own batting, um, you know, be subject to, to so much scrutiny can, can really hurt. Um, I think captaining Pakistan, there's an extra 20% stress level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just extra 20%. Yep. But yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, he scored a test um, 300. He's got runs against Australia in Australia. Yeah, which is impressive. There, there was a really worrying stat that he was, um, you know, Crickviz showed that, you know, 90% of his dismissals were on a fourth stump line, good length. So for me, it was like, that's a stock ball for every fast bowler. That's test cricket right there. <laughs> top, top of off, odd sniff. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you make runs before you get out to that good ball, then, you know, fingers crossed you're going all right. So, that was... That was um, circumstances, yeah, marvellous knock, great attack. Yep, yep. Pump for him. And then the attack, uh, Jimmy Anderson just doing what he's doing, mate. Five for 56 in that first, that first innings to get himself to 598 test wickets. And in that in that innings, there were a couple of drops as well, and you could see you could see Jimmy just really want to want to unleash on some of his fielders because uh, he obviously knew how close he was. Um, but that was a great moment when that came uh, last night. Yeah. Six hundred Test wickets, the first the first quick ever to do that, um, which is amazing because that just shows how much cricket he's actually played as well and the ability just to keep backing it up and backing it up and different, different situations, wickets all over the globe. Um, just bloody impressive, mate. And, and fourth wicket taker overall. Oh, yeah, and man, it's just a credit to his skill. I mean, you've faced him you know, numerous times. Um, you know, fluency of action, athleticism, but then resilience and durability. Uh, yep. the biggest one for me because um, I talked about before, first day of cricket I went to, Dennis Ely broke the record for most wickets, 310. But Jimmy's yeah. almost doubled that. And then, you know, like yep. Richard Hadley and Ian Botham and Capel Deb, it kept just drip-feeding up. You know, Courtney Walsh got to 500. But now he's got his mate Brody and McGrath. Yep. And, and, and Jimmy at home, you, you know... You'd think that he could play at least at least another year um, oh, yeah. in those conditions, but you know, for me, it's just a it's such a big credit. I remember speaking to Ryan Harris um, 
you know, just about a few things. And, and he's just picked up a job in the IPL, hasn't he? Bowling coach at Delhi. And, oh, there you go. Um, you know, how hard a work, even for fast-medium bowlers, you know, all that body weight going through each ball. And and there was sort of a point, I did some research, particularly in Australian quicks, if you got to 50 tests, yep. you know, you, you were part of an elite. And then, and then when it hit 70, you know, McDermott and Mitch Johnson and Brett Lee, you know, that was almost the top line until McGrath. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So, but these folks, you know, Jimmy, they're well and truly over 100 tests, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess the only saving grace there maybe for, for Jimmy being in England um, helps because the yeah. Australian wickets compared to English wickets, the Australian wickets are a lot harder um, and you really have to run in to try and get, get something out of the wicket, whereas Jimmy, you know, credit to him and his durability, but being able to just just run in, use that juke ball, uh, some good wickets over there as well for him. But just that softer landing, like I've spoken to fast bowlers um, that I've played with, and the difference there between those the two countries in terms of the, the wickets and what it feels like on your body, uh, it was it was a big difference for them. Oh, I think that's massive, and particularly the drop-ins in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just getting harder and harder on the body, the poor guys. That's, yeah, that's tough. A lot of, and, and then they don't break up for the fast bowlers either, so you don't get the ones that shoot or, or take off. So, But that's a whole other story, Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, great work to the, to the English boys. While we're in England, just a couple of honourable mentions uh, in county cricket. Um, his teammates call him Ian, but uh, his friends call him the Duck. Uh, Ian Holland taking his first first-class five for, for Hampshire versus Surrey. Um, just great. Uh, he's one of my mates. I absolutely love him. It's an interesting story with, with him as well. Like He came in, played half a Shield game for Victoria. That was his one and only first-class match in Australia. I think he came in as a replacement player. Um, and he's then taken the plunge with an English passport to go and play in England as a local. And it's just great to see the rewards paying off. Um, yeah. And they gave him the new ball, which is great. And I think he's, he's a chance to really, uh, you know, have a long career over there. He's, he's almost 30. So, you know, if he, if he keeps going like a, like a Darren Stevens, he might, he's got about 14 or 15 yeah. years left. But Ian's, um, you know, he's a dominant district player. Yes. For, for, for Ringwood, um, but you know, bowling-wise, he's he's more Jimmy Anderson than Pat Cummins, isn't he? Banging the yeah. head, but he's that you know handy bat. Been playing for America as well. I mean, they're yeah, you know, they're great stories, and um, you know we you know often see guys you know had that opportunity to finish off um, Steve McGoffin. Um, I don't know if you yeah. go on there, but Michael Hogan. I don't know if you played against. Yeah, yeah. Hogs is my favourite batter of all time. Just why? Just pure slogging or? Just would come in, number 11, first ball, try and hit it for six. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yep. To the point where Cameron White was my captain at the time. Hogs would walk out and Whitey would go, Hogs, what, deep point and long on? And Hogs like, yep, that's about right. First ball, whack, straight down deep points throat. And it was just like... That was one of my first years. I'm like, this is great. I love first-class cricket. That sounds like tail enders from the 60s and 70s. That's the way they yeah. batted. But, no, you know, Oaks, um, he just took his 600 first-class wicket. He didn't debut in first-class cricket till he was 28. Oh, wow. That's, that's impressive going. And there you go. There's that durability as well, being over in England. And so. without playing for Australia, those type of bowlers and McGoffin, who didn't play for Australia... Really good shield bowlers. Yep. Yeah. Oh, one. yeah. I made my debut against McGoffin and he cut me in half for fun. So, yeah, those guys were were very, very impressive in Australia and they've been amazing over in England. Um, but moving on, back home. Flem, there was a couple of coaching gigs up for grabs Um and they've both been filled since a couple of weeks ago. One was the Saka, and that has been filled by a Saka ex-player in 
Dizzy Gillespie, um, the uh, the local hero. He's it'd be close to the King of Adelaide, I think. Old Dizzy. Um, well, they love him there. Bush living in Queensland. Um, I think Diz has got that. And for the fast bowling cartel, that, that's just another implant from the board members there, McGrath and Casper and Co. So yeah. um, I really hope Victoria's gone the same way. Is it was was Mervyn Hughes in the <laughs> last four or five? Um, Mickey Lewis, did he want to step up from bowling coach? Please tell me there was a fast bowler in that <laughs> last three or four spots. Unfortunately, Flem, uh, the coaching spots were were up for grabs by a few batsmen. Um, a Victorian, ex-Victorian batsman though. So, uh, but the one that, that won out announced today, funnily enough, uh, Chris Bucky Rogers. Uh, the bowlology report. I'm sorry. The bowlology report's own. Exactly right. We found him first. We got him out there, and Victoria have gone. I like what he's about. We'll have a bit of that. So was that episode part of the job interview? Did they just play? <laughs> well, yeah, funny. I don't think Bucky knew that, but uh, they've obviously picked it up, watched it intently and gone, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let's, let's get him as our coach. So, okay, that's our first appointment then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So if you, want it, if you want a gig, get on board. Um, okay, we might see if we can um, get next guest uh, a coaching gig somewhere. But uh, when does Bucky start? Uh, I think he's going to come in this Friday, so in a couple of days, just to have a chat to the boys, um, say good day to everyone, introduce him, introduce himself to the youngsters that probably don't know him. Um, but officially starts next Tuesday uh, with the group, and that's that's going to be great, uh, great for him. He's obviously a world class player, and he's done a fair bit of coaching uh, since he retired as well. So I'm pumped to have him on board. He's he's a good mate of mine, and. Um, you know, I think we're going to work well together and I think he's going to work really, really well with our young squad, especially. Yeah, no, it's definitely a progression for him. He, he was moving that way. Um, probably time to, to, to have your own team. So good luck, Bucky. Yeah, good luck. And staying in Australia, uh, just a little bit of good news that's, that's sort of come out in a world of, of some sort of crap news recently. Flem, um, Laura Harris, the Queensland and... Brisbane Heat player has married her partner, Delissa Kamintz, the Australian and T20 World Cup winner. So just wanted to share a bit of love, Flem. Get that, you know, get those positive vibes um, out into the world and, uh, and good luck to the girls. I think that's, uh, that's awesome. Did happy, they, um, how many people, uh, was it, did you say it was in Queensland? Were they allowed to I'm have assuming, a full-on wedding? I'm assuming it was in Queensland. Um, and I think they had uh, quite a good gathering, um, which I'm insanely jealous of because I've seen the same three people for uh, yeah. the last four weeks, Flynn. And it's I'm starting to get to me, but that's okay. To talk to you, Pete. <laughs> it's been beautiful, mate. Um, but moving on, Flynn, and this is probably, you know, outside, outside COVID, this is probably the story of the year. Uh, MS Dhoni retiring yeah. from international cricket. Just, oh, I mean, I think India, India stopped everything. Just people crying in the streets. It was, it was amazing. Um, but I mean, what a player and uh, and what a career. And it's still going to be. We're still going to be able to see him play, though, because he's, uh, he's still going to continue with Chennai in the IPL, which is nice. Um, but, yeah, sad to see him go. He was an incredible, incredible player. How cool. Um, he's one of so the cool, coolest mate. players of all time. Yeah, the long hair when he came in, just glorious, glorious stuff. But um, what might have been missed, because when you retire on the same day as MS Dhoni, People tend to forget that you've done the same thing, but Suresh Rayner, um, <laughs> don't for those who don't know, also retired on the same day. So, uh, big shout out to, to Suresh as well. He's Rayner, he very good white ball cricketer. You know, couldn't adjust um, to red ball cricket, but you know, he was a, a dominant player. But MS Dhoni, like, they're also talk about the coolness. 
you would have seen it heaps, but just the pressure over in India about being the captain, mm. um, but also the most popular player. So, you know, for our listeners, it's really interesting. You know, all the Indians love their international players and IPL players, but they yeah. always seem to still have their favourite player. And for me, in my time, it was from Tendulkar to Dhoni to Kohli. Like, yeah, that's been the transition. Remember the first time in the IPL? We're in Chennai and I went up the lift. I'm commentating. Went up the lift with a family with all Chennai gear on. So, one, I'm thinking this is working. You know, the fans are buying merchandise. It's packed. We're going up the lift and who's going to win? Well, Chennai against Mumbai Indians. And I yep. said, oh, well, who's your favourite player? And, and, and to a person, Tendulkar, 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 Tendulkar. <laughs> So it was insane, yeah. and then, and then from, you know, and there was Dravid and Laxman and all that, but they, they were nowhere near as famous as Tendulkar. But then I found the progression to Dhoni was so yeah. famous, and now it's Coley. That it's interesting. There doesn't seem to be a second or third in line. Banana. It's just those three. No, they treated treated like absolute gods over in India, and and I was actually lucky enough, Flem, to to play with Dhoni uh, oh. for one year in the IPL. Pretty crazy. Um, ridiculous like you'd get thousands and thousands of people waiting outside our hotel uh, just to get a glimpse of the hotel bus leaving to go to the game so they, they might get a glimpse, glimpse of him sitting in the front seat because that's where he used to sit um, give a little wave and the crowd would go nuts and this is just in the street just yeah. in stock standing street in India it's just like this is this is mental um, but I've got to I got a nice little story that um, about Dhoni and, and my debut. We were playing. This is my debut in the IPL, uh, and we were playing in uh, well, what was it? The Pune Super Giants or the Rising Pune Super Giants? Extraordinary name. Um, and I get told uh, in the team meeting that I'm going to be making my debut that night, and I'm I'm pumped. I'm like, this is great. Uh, I get to play with Donny, get to play with some amazing players. You know, can't wait to get a few words of wisdom um, from these guys, a couple of gems, <laughs> like how to play in India, what to do, how do you hit sixes, all this stuff. Um, so I get announced and I'm kind of waiting for Donny to come up to me and, you know, sort of say congrats as my captain and, you know, good luck for the game, blah, 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 maybe try and do this. Absolutely nothing. So we get on the team bus, I'm like, all right, maybe something here, nope. Nothing. He's in the zone. Get out there. We start warming up. Still haven't spoken a word to Donian. Still, still nothing. I'm like, oh, come on. This is like, when's when's something when's something amazing gonna come? Anyway, we uh, we bat first, and I'm batting four. Funnily enough, ahead of Donny, um, which <laughs> I thought was I thought was ridiculous because here I am, this like 74 kilo little stick. Um, trying to hit sixes in the IPL and there's Donny behind me um, and so I'm sitting on the bench he's sitting behind me we get about to the ninth over and, and I'm like oh, okay you know I'm, we still haven't lost two wickets I reckon I'm about to, to get going here um, about to have my hit and I get a tap on the shoulder and I know it's Donny I'm like here it is here's the wisdom like oh just going <laughs> to soak it up and he goes uh, Pete I bat next and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so he goes in and then slippery slope for me. I go straight down the, uh, the batting order. Don't end up actually batting in my debut <laughs> game for the RPL. Um, and got one sentence off Tony and I was, I was shattered. But after that, I made sure to, uh, to talk to him and, yeah. and force the conversation so that I could get something from him. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, what no, he was he like that, like that? Would he just um, happy to pass on a little bit or did you have to sort of coax it out of him? Uh, it was a bit more to, to coax it out of him. I think he uh, was one of those guys where, like, it wasn't for him to go out and do it. I think a lot of players had, uh, would go to him to, to try and get some answers. But what he did and what he made quite, um, quite obvious was that his door, his hotel door was always open. Yeah. Um, so you'd be able to go in there. There might be a bit of shisha in the corner or something, and there'd be some PlayStation games going on. And 
and you could sit in there and sit in silence or have some food or whatever, but Definitely. it was always open and that was that was a really nice touch from him and you could go in there and, and maybe get yeah, a little bit of something on cricket if if you get the right question at the right time. Yeah, I mean he was a remarkable player, you know, and also just his image, wasn't it, from from Ranchi, you know, which isn't one of the big cities in India. He's riding motorbikes, you know, mm. the Bollywood star virtually. Uh, you yep. know, the helicopter shot. Yep. Um, another underrated thing about Dhoni, I, I went down to do an interview with him, you know, at the end of the uh, innings, is how quick he was between the wickets. Rapid. Like Absolutely. he had this low centre of gravity, uh, yep. powerful legs, but he was lightning between the wickets. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. And that, and that showed he obviously... Worked bloody hard, getting his body right, getting the um, getting the right movements for him to to have that power, and that that also came out in his batting as well. Like you could see, his shots were driven from his legs, and it was no, he's he was impressive, and it, yeah, it showed how how hard he worked at his game. And uh, he was known as the, the the finisher, you know, doing right. a remarkable job. Um, we had the original finisher in in Michael Bevan. Um, can you yes. see? MS Dhoni potentially being on the mass singer. <laughs> um, I think that that's probably not for MS. I think he's uh, he's probably doing just fine. Not not to get on the mass singer there, but um, Bevo, he did all he did all right. He did well. He he was the hammerhead. My first yeah. look was him holding the microphone with his. The hammerheads have flippers or. Yeah. I thought, geez, what's he doing here? But he's always in the Australian team, noted for his voice. Yep. Um, loved, to, loved to have a bit of a sing, Bevo. So um, that was a bit of a win. One thing that didn't work with him, um, you know, we had a, a lot of musos in the Australian team, known better than the, the Lee brothers. Yep. Um, yep, well. They had a band, Six and Out, Gavin Robertson on drums, who's a really good drummer, Richard Cheek, yep. he's singing. Um, Cheek's probably had more front than voice. Uh, Brad McNamara on, on lead guitar. Um, and yep. often guys would take guitars on tour. Like I, I, I bought one on an England tour to, to play with uh, Shane Lee. Probably didn't play it enough. But Bevo always a bit different. He didn't bring an acoustic guitar. He brought an electronic bass. <laughs> of all things. You're lugging that around in India. No, everyone's no. a nice little sing-along on the acoustic. No one's yeah. saying, who's got an electric bass to do a sing-along? Yeah, yeah, go and, go and slap the bass and give us a riff or something. Like, no, 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 mate. Just play a couple of chords and, and let us have a sing. Yeah, and a sing-along. <laughs> so, you know, Bevo just it never quite clicked with Bevo because, I mean, you see a lot of people doing air guitar. I mean, that, you know, in the crowd when they go around. Yeah. No one does air bass. No, no, I wouldn't even it's say that. No, no. So I oh, maybe MS Dhoni will keep away from that. <laughs> that is, so. uh, what do we call it? Uh, Newsweek with, with Pete. Pete. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Well, Pete, we've had a bit of a theme in the last couple of biology reports, getting uh, Tyson, Goldie and uh, Brett Delidio to pick their favourite cricket 11s all time. But it is something that cricketers do in the dressing rooms, don't they? We, we pick our best blokes 11, fat 11, tall 11. Um, and generally, yeah, if you're a bit bored in the dressing room, it, it fills in a bit of time. Especially when there's a bit of rain about as well. It's uh, You've got to think of something, maybe the best dancing 11 or... Yeah, it's uh, worst drinkers, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it gets entertaining. Are you trying to get into the best facial hair 11? This is a debut. Uh, this is a debut, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, look, it's, it's definitely not getting into the best, but maybe maybe the worst facial uh, yeah. hair 11. I'll take that one. I'll tell you who's got great facial hair. He's our next guest, and you can hear him on SAFM in Adelaide, Triple M with Big Ed in Melbourne. Uh, a very successful comedian. He's a Hawthorne fan, so he wants to talk cricket today. It's, of course, Anthony mm. Lemo. Thanks for joining us on the Hello. report, mate. Hello, Flem. Hello, Pete. Who said dreams don't come true? Huh? Here I am on the Bowlology report in the middle of lockdown. 
They said it must be horrible in lockdown. You can't get anything done. You can't do any gigs. You can't get out of the house. And I said that it may all be true, but I can do the bowlology report. And that has put a spring in my step. And mate, you're a big uh, cricket today. fan and you've um and you obviously your favourite cricket of all time, WG Grace, and you, you're morphing into it. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? I've I started growing this at the start of lockdown and I've taken nothing off the length. I've trimmed it here though at the sides because at one point I looked like I'd been stung by a thousand bees because the hair was out here around the side. I made Santa Claus look anorexic for a while there. So I've had to trim the sides, which has narrowed myself out. The other thing I've done is I've shaved my head. Oh, so yes. Go. I got bored. And what I've discovered is I've got an, a tuft, an island here at the front, and then a moat through yeah. there. And then my hair sort of resumes normal proceedings back here. So I don't quite know what I'm going to do with that. Are you going to quarantine that island or what? <laughs> Remember Jason Dunn still had one of these? Yeah. <laughs> I said I've, I've threatened, Pete, I've threatened my wife. I've said to her, I'm thinking about shaving the back bit here and just growing one tuft down. Yeah, like yeah. a business at the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe, flip, flip it around. We got you on for uh, a theme cricket 11. Uh, what have you gone for? Uh, I've, well, I've got two 11s for you. Uh, the first, my first 11 is blokes I'd love to have a beer with. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm slightly biased towards, and it, all beers kind of for a few different reasons with these players, which we'll get to. And I'm going to flag before I start that I'm biased towards South Australians. Because, Pete, growing up in South Australia, we, we didn't have a lot of representation on the national team. So the players that we did have, we just had a deep, deep love for them. And it didn't matter if they only played a handful of test matches. We bloody loved them. Uh, so I'm going to give, I'll give this to you. Should we get going? I'll give it to you in batting order. Fire yeah, away. I'm opening the batting with the one and only Rick Darling. Yes. Uh, a wakery boy from country South Australia. Uh, a flashy opening batsman. Only, look, he played, I, I should have looked up his stats before I joined you, but I reckon he played about 20 test matches, Rick Darling. And he played, interestingly, played his last test match when he was 22. So yeah. you would have thought he had plenty of cricket left in him. Wow, um, good stat. And his high score, high score 91. And there is a couple of great stories around Rick Darling. One being that he got hit in the heart by a Bob Willis bouncer at Adelaide Oval. And, Flem, can you remember who revived him? Who was the English player? John Embry. John Embry. Who's, oh. who, John Embry, whose birthday is today, just by the way. Great man. Um, and I only, I only know that, Pete, because it's my birthday as well. Uh, oh, baby. So, birthday. Hey, hey, thank you. I, I was wondering how much prompting that was going to take or how deep into the podcast we'd get. It's not all Before about you, what about the beer 11? Yes. Well, Rick Darling, my other Rick Darling story, Fleming, you'll love this. One day at Adelaide Oval, because Rick Darling is a lad, right? A proper lad, right? <laughs> so he's on the hill getting blind with his mates from Wakery one day, right? During a test match. The Australians had a couple of injuries that day. So the next day, the 12th man was on the ground, but they called up Rick Darling. So the next day, he's on the ground fielding. The day before, he was blind on the hill. That's <laughs> good. That, that is my kind of guy right there. <laughs> what a gun. He's in. And he was, uh, he was a ripping fieldsman as well, Rick Darling. Very sharp in the field. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to get controversial really quick with his opening partner here. I've gone for a bloke who never played a test match for Australia. Ooh. But, but he would have, at one point, he was the best cricketer in the country. It's just that he was too old by the time we played our first test match, and that's Tom Wills. <laughs> who, Tom Wills wrote the rules of AFL football, but was the best cricketer in the colony for his entire life, basically. He pulled together the first Aboriginal touring team that went to the UK. 
Tom Wills managed that team. But Tom Wills was a roaring piss head. Uh, <laughs> I reckon it would have been fun to spend a few nights on the town with Tom Wills. He was not opposed, if you believe the biographies, to just smashing a couple of cans before he went out to bat. Uh, on an un, on an uncovered pitch, if you don't mind, without a helmet, and <laughs> just knock up a tasty hundred. <laughs> so, oh, I've got him at number two. Coming in at first drop, player I loved as a kid. I could have gone Viv Richards, but I figure he comes up too often in your yeah. 11s. So, I've left him out. And probably I've gone, more rum man. Probably more rum man. Well, I've gone for a bloke who some might argue doesn't drink, but I, I'm going to argue that I reckon he's had a couple in his time. Javid, me and dad, I'm putting oh. in as my first drop. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like Javid, me and dad, but I thought the raise, when he raised his bat to Dennis Lilly that day, I just looked at him and I thought, oh, I like this bloke. He's, <laughs> he's got a bit of fire in his belly. There's something there. I like, yeah, I liked his angry attitude. I loved the way he batted. And he just had that, he had that touch of bad boy flair about him. I got the feeling that if you hung out with Jarvid off the field, you, anything's possible. Anything can happen with Jarvid's well, man. Kind of off a street the field. fighter, wasn't he? A street fighter with the bat. Yeah, he, he'll look Well, up. that's right. That's right. So I reckon, I reckon if, you, if you hit the town with Jarvid, <laughs> you'd, be ex, you'd be express entry to nightclubs everywhere. Uh, and there'd be a queue of people wanting to come and say hello. So Jarvid Mandat at three, uh, I, I, and I just can't avoid this, but I'm going for Buff at number four. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for I him mean, to pop up. Pete, you know, you know Buff well. Uh, oh, yeah. And you would have definitely had more beers with him than I have. Have you enjoyed his company on those occasions? Unbelievable beer drinker, El Buff. Um, no, he's great. If you are, uh, yeah, number four, solid position for him. He'll, he'll control the innings from there, I think, just nicely. And after one too many, Pete, did you ever, did you ever uh, cough down a cheeky dart with Buff as well out, out <laughs> behind a dumpster out the back of a pub somewhere? Oh, he's known to uh, dabble in the odd one here and there, mate. And, yeah, just sneak off out the back. You know, one, one of my favourite Buff stories, and I, I don't know how, how public the first half of this story is, so I hope I'm not getting him in trouble, but Buff's last season of first-class cricket coincided with an Ashes tour in Australia, it might have been the two. It might have been when we regained the Ashes. It might have been that tour, 2005, 2006, I think. And there was a tour match where England played South Australia at Adelaide Oval. Obviously, it was in November of that summer, so they still hadn't finalised the squad. But it was, boof, It was most likely wasn't going to get picked for in our Ashes team. Um, anyway. Buff goes out the night before uh, that game started, that tour match, and I have it on good authority that he might have had a couple. <laughs> then on, then Buff's come out and batted for South Australia, and he just in one of the great stories, he's hit ninety nine, and has done his no, he had ninety, he had ninety eight. And he ran in a single and he tried to make it back for two. And he got run out on 99. <laughs> What's he like, doing what? going for a quick two? Of all the people who shouldn't be taking a quick two, <laughs> it's not only is it boof, it's a hungover boof. <laughs> shouldn't be taking a quick two. Uh, so boof at number four. Uh, <laughs> next up, coming in at number five, I've got my... My cricketing hero was a kid. I had his poster on my wall and he was a rock star to me and that's David Hooks <laughs> uh, coming in at number five. Just that 34 ball ton against Victoria. I listened to that on the radio and that was just one of the most exciting, it's one of the most exciting things I've ever heard on a radio, David Hooks. And the scoreboard, when Hooksy, I think he was 101 not out, and Rick oh. Darling, who was known for his flair, was on 10. <laughs> so it was, and they were the two opening batsmen. <laughs> Hooks 101, Darling 10. And if you uh, haven't, so Hooksy, it's on YouTube, Pete. So have a look; it's incredible. Yeah. 
I'm checking that out. Check it out. And it was just, and Hooksy has said later on, he was just annoyed at the pathetic declaration. Like he felt that Victoria declared to give them no chance. And he was like, oh yeah, no chance, really? We'll see, dickheads. <laughs> if he'd stayed in, we, we would have won that, uh, that yeah. shield game. Uh, next up, I'm going for a bloke who I loved nearly as much as Viv Richards, and that's Richie Richardson. I just, don't, I feel like he, he gets lost in the West Indies conversation because everyone just jumps from Viv to Brian Lara. But Richie Richardson was uber cool for me as well. Didn't wear a helmet either. And just, he just had that nice bit of flair about him as well. Uh, I have no idea if he was a, if he loved a beer, Flem, you might have a bit of insight into that. But I, but I feel like he's just... No problems. Uh, you know he plays lead guitar in the in the uh, yeah. Dreadheads band and currently plays there. bass. Yeah. There we go. There we go. So Richie Richardson, uh, my wicketkeeper, all the way from Afghanistan, Muhammad Shahzad. <laughs> the, the, the bloke is carrying a few kilos. <laughs> but he has but a I reckon crack. he has a crack. Uh, coming in uh, next. Uh, a bloke who we know is another rock star of cricket uh, is Keith Miller, I'm oh. choosing, as yes. my all-rounder. Keith Miller, I especially love Keith Miller for two reasons. One was his famous quote about being asked how he's going to handle the pressure of an Ashes Test match. And having just been a fighter pilot in World War II, he said, pressure, try a Messerschmitt flying up your ass. That's pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Not batting against England. And the other great thing I love about Keith Miller is my dad, as a 16-year-old, got together in country South Australia with a bunch of cousins, a whole bunch of them, about a dozen of them, piled in the back of a truck in 1948, or 1947. They drove to Adelaide, which back then took about six or seven hours to watch Don Bradman play. And the Don, towards the end of his illustrious career, got a bloody duck. No. They travelled for, <laughs> for half a day to watch the Don get a duck. I think one of three ducks in his career. But Keith Miller hit 142 not out. So, uh, so thanks, Keith, for putting a smile on a, my young dad's face yeah. uh, back then. And pretty uh, prolific game, off the field, Keith. Pretty prolific off the field. Did some uh, fantastic work, apparently, back in the day. And I think might have, um, might have knocked around in some Hollywood circles for a while too, if the rumours would be believed. Please, uh, so. Next up, opening to bowling, I've got Malcolm Marshall. Um, I don't really have any idea what Malcolm Marshall would be like as a bloke, but he was another player who as a kid I just loved. I wanted him, even when the West Indies played Australia, I wanted Malcolm Marshall to get eight wickets and hit a ton in every innings. And he was, and my, one of my great frustrations as a kid was Malcolm Marshall was a pretty good batsman. Yeah. But I just never, he even never really got the opportunity because that's such a strong batting lineup ahead of him. Or I just felt as though he always threw his wicket away and it annoyed me because I wanted him to make runs as well. Like I, I wanted him to be a genuine all-rounder. Um, but I bloody love Malcolm Marshall. Uh, next up, I was going to pick Daniel, uh, sorry, Phil Tufnell, but I've gone for Daniel Vittori because I wanted to get a Kiwi into my team. Uh, and I, a bloke who has glasses and a beard, which is what I'm sporting right now. <laughs> you can't go wrong. And he just strikes me as a ripping bloke, Daniel Vittori as well. Very uh, Pete, good bloke. You know him, do, you, do you rate him? Yeah. yeah, yeah, rate him highly. And the boys that have uh, had a few beers with him before said he's just one of the greats on, on the cans for sure. Yeah, great, great. And, fight my, and coming in my 11th player... I was tossing up apologies to Dwayne Loverock from Bermuda. He was going to be, oh. <laughs> he was going to be pick 11 for me, but he's my 12th man. Yeah. I picked 130 kilogram Bermudan to be my 12th man. Uh, <laughs> but coming, batting at 11 and opening to bowling, I picked a guy. His name is Salil Ancola. He's Indian and I picked him because, for two reasons, he debuted in November against Pakistan in November 1989. Another player debuted in that same test match. And that was Sachin Tendulkar. 
<laughs> so they debuted together. Sachin Tendulkar went on to play 200 test matches for India and become the most famous Indian ever. And I'm including Gandhi in that, <laughs> right? Um, Salil Angola went on to play no more test matches. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so I just want to sit down with him and say, mate, are you okay? Sounds like he needs a beer. He needs a beer. I'll tell you, interesting fact about him, though, he did go on to win the first ever season of Big Brother in India. Whoa. So he's, and then do a bit of acting in India as well. So he's redeemed himself on some level, I guess. Um, but I'd like to chat with him just to see what it's been like for him watching Sachin Tendulkar become the most famous person ever from that day. Uh, in November 1989. So that's my 11 right there, guys. And also, special mention to Stephen Book, the New yeah. Zealand fast bowler. Uh, and I, I love him. My favourite quote ever in cricket. In his last test match, he took one, he took one for 229 in his last test. And in that test match, Javed, me and dad hit 271 in that test match. And when he was being interviewed afterwards, they said, what was it like bowling out there today? And Stephen Book said, it was like, he was asked, what was it like bowling out there today? And he said, it was like bowling in the highlights. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, me and dad had a blinder that day. So that's my, they're the 11 of people I'd love to have a beer with. Uh, so these are the 11 of players I hate. <laughs> I can, and there's one, there's one controversial one in here, which I don't expect either of you to comment on. You can just let it go. I'll go to the next one, okay? Okay. It'll be pretty obvious when I say it. Uh, but I'm starting opening the batting, Chris Tabaret. <laughs> 50 runs in five hours. Get stuff, Chris. I never want to see you out on the ground ever again. Stop wasting my time. Okay. Coming in at number two, W.G. Grace. <laughs> They've come to watch me, not you, he says to the umpires. He refused to leave. Hey, W.G., you can get stuffed, my friend. And also, in England, when they survey British journalists about the greatest cricketer ever, often W.G. Grace is number one ahead of Bradman. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> okay, so he, WG Grace, uh, coming in at number three. Look, it's there's something about the celebration when he gets a ton that I just can't quite cop. And his apology press conference was one of the worst I've ever seen. And he's Australian. <laughs> oh no, Flip's shaking his head. A lot of Australians listen to this podcast. Don't say it, Lemo. Don't say it. He's a great cricketer, he's an amazing cricketer. He's one of the most exciting I've ever seen. But I just think to myself, cool your jets, son. Come on. <laughs> you know who it is. <laughs> All right. I'll say it and I'll quickly go to my number four. Yep. All right, David Warner. Now, coming in at number four. <laughs> <laughs> now, this bloke, look, he's not with us anymore and I shouldn't get into him. But God, I hated him when he played Hansi Cronier. There was just something about Hansi Cronier. Just, he just had a hateable head, didn't he? There was just, if there was a, I just, every time I saw him, I wanted him to get no runs. Often I, I, I should have backed him. If I backed him for no runs on the right occasions, I could have made some money out of him. But Hansi Cronier at four. Next up at five, Surav Ganguly. I know you've got a lot of Indian listeners, but seriously, guys. He was a piece of work, Surav Ganguly. Remember when he gave, flipped the bird to the crowd? Yeah, remember. <laughs> All right, next up, Tony Gregg. I just hated him when he played. <laughs> hated him. May well be. You know what? I've met his son, and his son, Mark, is a great bloke. I love his son, Mark. Ripping yeah. guy. But Tony Gregg, when he played, hated him. Hooks, he hit him for five fours in a row. A, a lifetime highlight, basically. He did me. play up to it a uh, bit, though, Tony, didn't he? He used to wave the fours did. when he hit fours. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got another Australian here. I apologise, but there's Tasmanian fast bowler Greg Campbell. 
Now, <laughs> the, now, the reason, Pete, you're probably looking at me thinking, what did he ever do? I'll tell you what he did. Poor bloke. Uh, Adelaide, uh, let me explain, walk through a test match for you, Adelaide Oval. We're going back to about 1989, right? Or uh, it might have been 91 or something like that. Anyway, Australia, Pakistan. First innings, Wazim Akram batting at seven hits 52. You know then Wazim Akram bowls, takes five for 100. All right. Then Pakistan bat again. Wazim Akram batting at seven hits 123. Right? After being smashed all over the park, Greg Campbell gets him out and then gives him a send-off. Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> Are you joking me? Oh, he tells you up from day one. <laughs> and you've given him a send-off. <laughs> <laughs> so, courtesy of that, I've got a long memory. Clearly, Greg Campbell <laughs> is in my team. Uh, number eight, I've got Harbhajan Singh. Yep. Uh, I'll never forgive him for the Andrew Simons debacle. Yep. Uh, next up, Richard Hadley. Now, this next bloke, according to people I've met, he's a ripping bloke, but I just... And you'll be able to give me a bit of clarity on this, Pete. But I just can't stand him. Stuart Broad. <laughs> uh, he just annoys the crap out of me. Pete, is he a good bloke? Uh, off the field, good bloke. On yeah. the field, he really, yeah, fires you up. Gets you real angry. Oh, and uh, at number 11, now this bloke, I just want to be clear, I would have picked him in all 11 spots if I could have, and that's Andre Nell. <laughs> Has a bigger flog ever played Test cricket <laughs> in a hundred in a hundred and fifty years? Has a bigger flog ever played Test cricket? What got you going about it? Can anyone answer me that question? <laughs> it was just that he just had that shit-eating grin on his face all the time, and there was just—I just looked at him and thought, "I know you're a wanker. I don't even have to meet you." <laughs> to tell that you're a wanker. Like, I know, like, he would, you know, every time Andre Nell bowled a ball, like an angel died somewhere. <laughs> is, he captain? Just, is he captain? He is captain, vice captain. All of oh, the above. Wow. But yeah, Andre Nell is in my, uh, it just, those, I think he, how long did he play for South Africa for, Flem? In fact, you, you would have met him. What, what is he like? I just met him in the IPL. Funny enough, having a beer. Like, if we put him in the beer 11, he was, he was fine. <laughs> but a, I bet he's I bad in it while you weren't looking. White line fever. Wasn't he? Yeah, well, I, well I, I never saw him off the ground, so I can't judge his white line fever. But there was just something about his way. And he'd bounce, he'd bounce Bowl, like he'd be bouncing number 11s as well. Like I'm sure he bounced Glenn McGrath on more than one occasion. That's hey. just not on. Where's, what's the fast bowlers? Surely there's a bit of an agreement there, isn't it? Just pitch it up. I won't bounce you, you don't bounce me, but that's pretty poor from old Nelly. I, I'm yeah. trying to add up the collective booing of your um, hated 11. It'd be massive. Massive. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of... There's a lot to not like about some of those players. And as I say, look, any of these guys, you meet them off the ground, they might be amazing blokes. Look, Tony Gregg, from what I hear, is a great guy. I never met him. I don't know. Richard, Richard well, Hadley. Well, you've met Richard Hadley, Flem, plenty of times. Well, he's an idol. I love him. <laughs> um, and Greg Campbell, yeah. that's Ricky Ponting's uncle. Is it? Yes. Right. <laughs> So uh, the only redeeming feature I could find for Chris Tavare is that his cousin is comedian Jim Tavare. And Jim Tavare is very funny. In fact, Jim Tavare, one of the best heckles ever, Jim Tavare plays a double bass, big double bass, and he lives in London. And he said the best heckle he's ever received was from a kid on the tube. And he said he was going to a gig one night in London and he's standing on the tube and holding his, leaning on his double bass like this. And this kid looks up at him and then the kid sort of grabs his mum's dress and tugs mum's dress and goes, hey, mum, look, a midget with a guitar. 
That's good, that's good gear. Because <laughs> Jim's have raised about six foot four, by the way. <laughs> we, we might get you back for the sledging 11. But, Limo, um, Pete, <laughs> beer 11 versus hate 11. Big game. Oh, wow. Not, not, even, not even close. Get, get them on the field and, and it's beer 11 the entire way there. That was, that was awesome. Great stuff, Limo. Uh, thank you. I think the beer, the beer 11 would have the crowd on their side. All I hope is with the beer 11, there's at least one injury so Dwayne Loverock from Bermuda can run out and take the field for a while. Get him on. Get him back in the first sleep. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Lemo. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. An absolute pleasure. Thanks, mate. Andrenel not amused at all. He's trying to stare down Gautam Gambir, who offered to stare him back in the face, but this is why. Went for the hook. Getting the top edge. Pete, I tell you what, Lemo did a great job with those 11s. I reckon those theme 11s are where we're going to go each, each episode now. Yeah, I'm liking that. I'll tell you what, he put some work into it. Like, there was some serious research there, and there were about five guys that I'd actually never, ever heard of before. So, um, no, that was, that was impressive stuff. And you might be surprised um, that they're not all Australian either. You know, like the West Indian players of the, the 80s, you know, Richie Richardson and Malcolm Marshall, for, for my age group, they seem yep. to come out every year. They were so cool. They had the best oh, batsmen, mate. the best bowlers. Jeffrey Dujon, the best wicketkeeper batsman. Like, they were actually loved by the crowd. Yep. So yeah, I'm not yeah, surprised they were welcomed that, by, the, yeah. by the Australian crowd. Yeah, they were great. Um, I've been watching a few of the highlights for them that have been being replayed at the moment, and uh, they're so cool. Got the flair out there, a bit of personality. It's just and great to see. Building like Logie and you know Roger Harper was the permanent twelfth man. One of the quicks would go off. Yeah, and like he's about six foot five. He seemed to have eight meter hands, uh, arms, serious wingspan. Yeah, he was just just amazing. But you know who didn't love him as much? The poor Australian players. Oh, yeah. I've got no interest in facing those guys. So I feel, feel sorry for the boys that, that had to front up and take on the big West Indians. That must have been tough. You're facing them. Like, they had one tour to England, uh, West Indies early 80, 1984. And then guess who come out that summer? Lost 4-0. Guess who come out that summer? <laughs> the West yeah. Indies. Have, have some of that. Just a bit of salt into the wounds. Um, and his passion for the, for the hate 11. Um, a few of those, though, I reckon it's, it's grudging respect. Yeah. Isn't it a disliked 11? Like, when it, you know, I remember Sir Richard Hadley growing up. The crowd used to boo him and call him a you know, wanker cheers and all that. But it was because he was just an absolute jet. And the most so players, you know, like Stuart Broad in Australia or Warner in England, surely that's the same sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think if you're if you're getting nailed by the crowds um, or getting songs made about you by the opposition crowd, like I think that's when you've made it. That's it. You're like, yep, I've done enough to piss these guys off so much that they have to they have they've resorted to this to try and get under my nerves. So yeah, it seemed like there was a few guys there that that had done that to Lemo. Yeah, that was great work by Lemo. But uh, mate, that we're getting near the end of this pod. Just a little bit of trivia here. Mr. Cricket, right? Michael Hussey. Yep. He's in a fantasy AFL league, super coach, um, set up by Trent Copeland, you know, the former okay. Australian quick on Channel 7 there. It's got, um, you know, myself, Callum Ferguson, Adam Voges, those type. Mr. Cricket's in it. He's 10th overall in Australia. In the whole of Australia? In the whole of Australia. So I think there's... <laughs> 60,000 people playing, it might yeah. even be more than that. And if you get first, I think it's 50 grand. Well, if there's, geez, that's not bad. If, he, uh, if his cricket coaching, um, you know, doesn't go ahead, maybe he needs to get into a bit of AFL. It's like special comments or something. Yeah, so where, where do you see it? I know there's been some talk from our league. Um, when you win a you know, like a car is the best player of the competition or money, it gets shared to w w between your teammates. Should yep. Mr Cricket, if he gets the 50 grand, should it be shared within the league? I think, I think so, yeah. 
I think um, he's obviously put a team together to try and beat your teams. Um, and without the help of your teams, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have put this team together that is now, you know, dominating in Australia. So I think that's fair. If he wins the competition, that should be split uh, evenly between, between you boys. No, I like it. I'm with you. Yep. Uh, we'll go with that. We'll give you updates of Mr. Cricket's super coach. Uh, I think he might he might be going overseas somewhere. So I hope, at least with the internet, and keep on it. And Pete, thanks a lot again. Thanks to Limo. And to take us out, you know we've got. <laughs> what have we got? The mask singer, the hammerhead himself, Michael Bevan. Oh, thanks, Bevo. What, what a lovely touch, Flynn. No, you've been high when you're feeling low. Only hate the road when you're missing home. Only know you love her when you let her go. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.